internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. I'm joined today by, of course, Erica Cantor, and I know Hello. that her mother, Mrs. Cantor, is listening. Hello, Mrs. Cantor. <laughs> uh, and we are joined uh, by Miss Vanessa. I'm going to get it right on the first try. Watch this, Gregoriatus. Whoa, you're okay, a genius! Wow. You yeah, see that? that. <laughs> yeah. That's just an IQ test right there. So yeah. I'm just as surprised as our listeners that he got that right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that being said, I did ask for the pronunciation beforehand, but. I still thought I was going to screw it up. And, and also, that'll be the last time I say your last name throughout the duration of this podcast. You get, you get one. Fair you're enough. Van, you're Vanessa, Vanessa G. G yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, um, this is I like – are you in like a – you're in like a studio studio. You seem like you're in like a – We just created an actual studio. Can like you a, believe it? It's got like one of those windows? Is it's that got like, like a little window. Yeah. Look at this. Pew. Oh, and, there, and, and there's, there's I just saw a hand stick up from me. <laughs> this, I mean, that's really that's really the the luxury, nice. right? The <laughs> podcasting luxury is like somebody's actually going to help you with this recording. You're not going to just have to do it yourself and like yeah, hope it all goes for the best. That's like that's big time shit right there. There's another person in another room through a glass window. That's that's doing all the controls. That's really that's, that's really something. that's for real. I mean, to be fair, we don't do a lot of interviews like this, but uh-huh. I happen to be in the the office. But you know, the podcasts we make at Campside Media are pretty intricate. Like, there's lots of interviews and yeah, then yeah. like tracking, and then the pickups on the tracking, and blah 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 blah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it does help. Right, and, and and I heard his voice right before we started. Who who is that mm-hmm. feller out there? Can you say hi? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ewan. He's from, he's from New Zealand. <laughs> you you got to listen to this name. Ewan, tell you tell them your name. Nope. Wow. Nope. Just, <laughs> I, uh, you, I'm going to go with Ewan. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> that's a tough one to spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even attempt to spell it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm jealous and I need to make some upgrades. Even when I had a full-time producer, I still didn't have the cool, like. I was like, just going to say, don't get any ideas, Bob. No, when Mike was here, all he did was just sit right next to me and just tell me when I said words wrong. You just <laughs> like, <that's> all... <laughs> he could have been doing that the whole time. He would sit there with the script while I was reading. He'd be like, no, 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 do that over. I'm like, I think it was fine. It wasn't fine. I have to edit it. It wasn't fine. <laughs> but I would have accepted yeah. that much more of you guys. So does he have like one of those buttons where he can like like push the button and like talk to you while you're in there? And then is that what he just did? He's got, a button. <laughs> He's got the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Ewan, tell me about yourself. Oh, wait. It's it's, it's Vanessa that we're we're interviewing today. Um, I'm just next time. Yeah. Next He's time we'll have we'll have Ewan. Life. Ewan Lee. Lie from Ewan. Lie from Ewan. Recorded uh, by yeah. Ewan Lie from Ewan. I've said it many times. Yeah. Is he, is he in the credits of the podcast? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a that's a tongue twister for sure. So you, you Vanessa, wh- where are you at now? I know that you grew up in New York City. I don't know where you're currently located. I'm I'm still here in New York City, <laughs> uh, born and seems, bred. Seems like an odd choice for Erica to write. Grew up in. You know, I can only be as specific as the information I find. <laughs> so, so that's all you got. <laughs> Cannot yeah. confirm that she still lives there. <laughs> in your defense, you did not put – you never put that she left. You just put uh, grew up True. in. True. Um, Technically correct. It's best uh, correct. And you went to Wesleyan University uh, and you were – Indeed. And you went to – whoa, you went to Harvard for a little while. And oh, my it, God. Where did you get this information? I don't creep. usually put that out there. Um, you know, creep. it's a school yeah. in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fascinating. Though. So you, you spent a year studying sociology of religion That's at Harvard. True. Yes. I'm actually a Harvard Divinity School dropout. Um, which is not something a lot of people know. Um, my husband has a master's degree, and whenever we're having an argument about anything, he's like, I don't know. I mean, you're a master's degree dropout. So um, I uh, I didn't do it. I mean, everybody I was at school with wanted to be either a pastor or had gotten totally screwed up about by being raised by like evangelical parents or uh-huh. super fringy parents, you know, they just everybody was like, oh, my God, I need to process these issues. And I was like, oh, I just thought this would be really interesting to study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, just I wouldn't totally fit in there. Yeah. I'm just I... really curious how you guys all got so fucked up about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're just specimens for me to study. Uh, I wasn't planning to process it with you just like for fun. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I like I wrote like one too many papers on like you know the the logos and the meaning of the logos in like the 17th century text versus the 19th century text. I was just like, whoa, this is, I can't do this. Um, And then you also need two languages to graduate from that school. So being that I barely have this language, I just didn't really think I could get both languages. That's not your fault. That's not, you, you, when you grew up with that last name, it, like <laughs> I feel like no teacher was going to like push you into learning a second language. They're like, she can't even spell her last name right. <laughs> I know. Let's Bob, how did that last name go break. again? Can you remind uh, the listeners? It's uh, Gregoriatus. Wow. This is, oh, that you. is so good. Two for two. Two for this two. Is like, bad it's like a, a test for like, you know, brain cell death. It's like, say that <laughs> say that name and then say it after five minutes after you've forgotten it. Yeah. Well, lucky for me, I wrote it phonetically at the top of my notes. So I can just <laughs> yeah, I keep coming Cheater. right back to it. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with anything about you, except for I feel like I saw somewhere that you do something with pop culture. That's right. You write long form pieces on pop culture. Well, this is what's known about me. Not that I was a dropout from Harvard Divinity School. <laughs> yeah, Erica rarely highlights the good points of your life. You tries to go after the, the little stuff. I see you got a D on a paper in uh, no. <laughs> in nineteen ninety three. Listen, I just I watched a movie last night, and and I just want to wedge it in. And I feel like the fact that you you studied sociology of religion and you write about pop culture. Uh, I just watched the Netflix movie You People last night, and mm. anybody seen it? Anyone? Not yet. Anyone? No. I want I that's the, the Jonah Hill one, right? Yes, it's oh like everybody. Gosh. It's Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill, Julia yeah, yeah, Louise yeah. Dreyfus, Andrew Schultz. It looks hilarious. Yeah, is it good. It was pretty good. 
And it's, you know, and the, and the, and the basic, well, there's, it's kind of, there's a duality there is it's, it's a white guy marrying a black woman. And there's, so there's like that dynamic between the families, but then also he's Jewish and she's Muslim. Uh, so there's a, there's another whole like dynamic there. And <laughs> I just wanted to talk about, it, but you guys didn't watch it. So it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> well, the trailer I thought looked hilarious, Bob. So yeah. It, um, I, it did look that's funny. all I can help you with. <laughs> yeah. I, I recommend it two thumbs up. Although I will say it is like, like the, um, the blueprint of the story is the same as every blueprint of every story that is like the families yeah. don't get a lot. It's, yeah. it's like, as soon right. as like it's it started, like, you're like meet the parents and exactly. like, yeah, right. Yep. A hundred percent. Well, how about tar? Have you guys seen tar? No. What? What? I don't understand. Like, my head is exploding every time people <laughs> tell me they haven't seen this movie. Wait, um, it's Kate yeah. Blanchett, and she's a conductor, like, for the, you know, Philharmonic, which I understand makes it sound like the most boring movie, mm-hmm. like, in existence. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> the marketing, like, doesn't get across that it is, like— creepy weird Mm, scary like incredible comment on our culture today like everything about it is like acid trippy you will not regret seeing this movie i guarantee it and somebody who's probably watched every single horror movie that there is on streaming i'm always looking for new creepy spooky stuff yeah, I mean, okay, horror comes in later it's okay if it's in it, yeah, but whatever, you'll yeah. appreciate it. Uh, um, is it, is it, am I going to have to leave my house for this, or is this? No, it's no. <laughs> when do you ever have to leave your house? No, I'm not going anywhere. No. <laughs> Nobody has to leave anymore. How long does it take for a movie to get to streaming now? About a week and a half after it yeah, releases exactly. in the theaters? Right. It was it's in the theaters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was in the theaters briefly for three and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yes. I mean, I mention it because also it is very similar to the sort of stuff that I write about, which is she's basically like a art monster, like a pop culture monster. And like I am sort of known for doing that kind of stuff where it's like uh-huh. it's about a person who's very key to the culture and their like influence on the culture and also who that person is as a person because I go, I hang out, I do like access journalism, right? So like I'm there hanging out with a person, really getting to know them. And it's like old school, long form, like Rolling Stone features. So generally these people are also sometimes in some sort of scandal, right? Like they're in, they're having some trouble because like I'm not generally their first choice writer. (laughs) It's not like, oh, we can't wait to sit down with Vanessa. She's like the Oprah of interviewing. It's more like, Okay, we have sort of an issue here and, you know, we need to get like a reporter who is, you know, well-respected and known to be um, very fair and, um, you know, but also uh, interested in this kind of like getting in the muck with us, like really Mm -hmm. trying to look at what's going on. Like my most famous story, although I didn't interview her for it was for the cover of Rolling Stone on Britney Spears when she was having her breakdown. Oh, wait. wait she so. only had one breakdown? <laughs> but the, the big one, yeah. Bob. We all know. The big one. The big one. The one, oh. the one, the she one where she was airlifted head. out of her house, <laughs> remember, oh. to Cedar sinai um, I, should, I should point out, I don't follow pop culture at all. Yeah, I barely, I'm not like, Is she, st- <laughs> she still performing or what's going on with Britney? <laughs> like, yeah. 
uh, yeah. Um, and, and but but so that's what you do before podcasting, right? Is you're 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 a journalist. According to Erica, you <laughs> yes. are an acclaimed uh, journalist, and I don't know what that means. Um, but you are acclaimed. I won some fancy awards. You won some fancy awards. Uh, and you do a lot of long form pieces on pop culture, youth movements, investigatory topics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it says you're your contributing writer at the New York Times Magazine and Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Do you um, did you have anything to do with today's Wordle word, or is that not? <laughs> Am I the only one who still I, plays Wordle? Yes, I yes, I play Wordle. I feel oh, I feel very it. satisfied when I play Wordle. I do too. I'm very get, good at it. I think everybody thinks like I'm very good at Wordle. Like, everybody yeah. has that in common. Well, there was a and little. Then when str- you're not good at it, it's just bad luck, right? Yeah. Like, when you have to, when <laughs> you have like, to do six tries yeah. or whatever, it's like, oh, that was just a bad, bad word. I'm currently on a streak yeah. of thirty. I think thirty-five today. But uh, there was a period like back this past fall where I th- I thought that I might have had a stroke. I was going to go to the because it was like. In one week, there was like four in a row that I couldn't. I'm like, what is going on? What is what happened to me? I just. Well, think my just, question is, why do you get it the second time? Like, I think I've had ten times where I got it right away, and I was like, how can yeah. I, how can this be happening? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't. And I don't the, understand. And then the next one, the worst ones are the ones where you think it's obvious, like you, like on your first, like by the second line, you've got like. Like A P P Y, and you're like, well, this will be easy, and then it's like every go through every single possibility. Times. Yeah, yeah. Right. Also, I don't know if that word has five different variations that, with that end in A P P Y, but you know what I mean. I don't remember exactly what, what you said, so yeah, <laughs> any of them. But it's always words like that where it's like it could be happy, slappy. You know, it's like it could yeah, be exactly. any of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you also wrote a book, you uh, a whole book called Blurred Lines. <laughs> it was a whole book, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean you would do you magazines, you do this, but this was an entire <laughs> book. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, and it's called Blurred Lines, Rethinking Sex Power and Consent on Campus. Tell us about that. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not totally a happy story because yeah. I wrote a book about Me Too about six months before Me Too started. Oh. So it seems like I sort of lost the, you know, the moment there, like, passed <laughs> me by. It was just really unfortunate. But basically, I, again, cover story writer, write a lot about scandal or different things in pop culture. Do you remember the woman who was carrying the mattress around Columbia University to – protest for sexual assault. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wrote a cover story for New York Magazine about her um, called, like, A New Type of Sexual Revolution on Campus. And it was basically, it was like, what, 2015? And I spent a lot of time up there talking to her and her friends and realized, like, these young people, um, like, young millennials were totally redefining what consent was. And the big issue in the whole sexual assault debate that has, like, consumed the culture until Mm -hmm. now and everybody apparently decided it's over, um, is, like, not interested. Like, don't talk to me about Jeffrey Epstein. I don't (laughs) want to hear about it. Um, But, you know, that big debate that we had, the whole issue is that nobody is defining these words. Like, I have a different definition of sexual assault, rape, consent, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, than you guys do. Like, nobody has the same one. Mm-hmm. And so young people, were, particularly young women on campus, were saying, like, let's all have this definition and trying to, like, make everybody else agree. But there was so mm-hmm. much confusion over what it was. So that was, like, the thesis of the book. And 
I was going to – this was a major cultural moment and everybody better watch out because it's going to change everything. And to be totally honest, what happened was – and I think I was right about, like, the timing. But then Rolling Stone had that crazy story about UVA where the woman had made the whole story up. Remember that? Yeah. And that sort of like shifted everything in the news cycle and made it so my book sort of, I think, came out at the wrong time. Anyway, I missed the missed the trend there the for the first way. time. I was real mad at myself. Um, <laughs> but it's good. It's, yeah, it's like a really, it's a very, um, it was supposed to be, I mean, I wrote it as a book that everybody can read. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it's like eighth grade level. It's just written for like men and women and Mm -hmm. people who are older and have kids in school and like breaks down all the philosophical issues. Um, And it's a feminist point of view. Like I essentially like I side with them, but I show all the different arguments and why some of them are flawed. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I actually may pick up a copy mm-hmm. myself because yeah. educate you know, yourself. Well, and I have I have teenagers, <laughs> so I have a my mm-hmm. my son is about to graduate high school, and he's about to go to Michigan State, and then my daughter's a junior in high school, and she's looking to go to college, and it's mm-hmm. and and we have these conversations, and it is interesting because it's I hesitate to say it's a, it's a different time, but like when I when I was in high school in the nineties, like like very particularly the it's it's kind of defining what consent meant. Because mm-hmm. it felt like, like, it felt like, it, it like in my youth, it felt okay then to if someone said no to just keep asking until they, <laughs> right. you know of what course. I mean? Yeah. And it was like, well, yeah. Eventually, she said yes. Yeah. So there was consent. <laughs> there was consent. <laughs> right. You know, and that seemed very normal then. And then now, of course, you know, like, like, no, that's not that's not okay. And I don't want my son thinking that's okay. And I also don't want my daughter thinking that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, yeah, well, it's a, it's a totally. super interesting, interesting it's a complete topic. Ref- redefinition of like sexual behavior, basically, you know, yeah, in a good way, like in in a good way. And as like silly as some of that rhetoric is, it's not like it's not powered by like good, solid thinking, you know, about how like mm-hmm. we should treat each other morally. It just gets so messed up when it gets in the media because then the media is like. You know, oh, my God, it's woke snowflakes or like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, like crap boy assholes, you know, and people are always more complicated. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I definitely see like people just are kind of I guess a kind of like understanding what you're talking about with like people who don't really understand all of the specifics to that definition of consent, you know, about how do you, how is consent given? It can be withdrawn, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, and like that might surprise some people to realize how few people, especially, you know, a few couple decades ago really thought that way. But then when you look at like the laws that some were still in place until like the early two thousands in some States where marital rape wasn't even an, a, mm-hmm. a crime, there was right. no such thing in some States as marital rape. So, right. And that's, you know, some of those laws, lasted obviously far far too long but it's i think it's really reflective of what you're talking about with with people in in general in society not really even fully understanding the concept of consent right and it all is about laws right in the end i mean our whole country is like that's what really (laughs) matters yeah yeah and i think you hit it on the head when you talk about like the media gets a hold of it and just kind of ruins everything because because that that was always my perspective on like 
the Me Too movement. It's like it like it started. It was a revolution that needed to happen and a revelation that needed to happen for people. And and then it, and then it like it, it's it's like a jump the shark. It just went it went because like as you said, it's kind of like it just kind of went away now. And it was like it mm. just it, it was made so extreme and polarizing instead of us, you know, by by the media that it there stopped being a conversation about it. And like everything else, it's like, well, you got to pick a side. And then mm-hmm. it's very easy once you do that to point out the flaw, you know, obvious flaws in one side or the other. And the next thing, and then, you know, and the, oh, I've got a whole, I got a soapbox. I should not even get, <laughs> I get so pissed off about like blind party loyalty. Like mm-hmm. the, like the, you know, like during the, the democratic nom- nominations, I had my picks of course. Mm-hmm. So it's not just being a sore sport, but it was like, like why in the middle of the Me Too movement you you nominate why do we yeah. nominate the guy that has is seven okay. sexual assault allegations against him when yeah. we had this great pool of people that we could have chosen from right right and then it's and then it was like the media kind of is like okay well now you know the you know the like well he's on our team though so we're just going to stop talking about it all together and boom yeah. Me Too movement's yep. gone it's over yep. right it's, yeah. It's, well, no, but Biden, it's much more complicated than that with Biden because sure, he was sure. a real like booster of all of these, right. you know, assaulted people while he's simultaneously like very sort of handsy himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think like when somebody is telling you when a politician is telling you who he or she or they are like you best like, uh, you know, not take that to, to yeah. heart, right? Yeah, like, it's like, always right. sort of the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as, yeah, as they I say, all... how do you know a politician's lying? Like lips are moving. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. exactly. And they I'm, all yeah, have like that. I mean, look, Matt Gates is still in Congress. <laughs> I mean, it's like insane. Like, I can't believe that. Like, is he, I thought he was going to go to prison. Is he still going to go to prison or I he's just going to chill know. there for a while? I can't even watch national news anymore because I get so because I I I'm very like independent and mm-hmm. and I'm just like both part and and if you live in that space very like try to be very neutral it's like every news you see is like well, it's like we're gonna spin it our way and we're gonna spin it our way and it was like like these classified documents thing that have come out this isn't a political show I don't even know what I'm doing but it was like <laughs> yeah it was like it's like Trump did it that's the most irresponsible thing in the world and we need to get rid of him you know he needs to go to jail and it's like oh yeah Biden did it too it's like well. Yeah. I don't know if it's yeah, that important yeah, yeah. anymore now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My only hope is that that this creates some sort of a reset and maybe maybe Mayor Pete takes another run. I really liked Pete Buttigieg. He lived five minutes from where I live now. Like, let's just – you know what? Let's just kind of – That in itself is a reason to make him president. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's just clean the slate. Let's start over. Yeah. Let's get some young blood in there. Well, and, for uh, endorsing candidates. I'm a, I'm a Cory Booker fan. So. Oh, I like Booker too. <laughs> yeah, I like Booker a lot too. Um. And then, uh, uh, what is his wife's name? Alex. Uh, oh, oh, shoot. Um, very oh, famous I love actress. her so much. I love her so much too. Asa- she plays Asaka. Dawson. Ahsoka. Dawson. Dawson is her last yes. name. Oh, Rose, no Rose, 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 Rosario Booker's Dawson. Rosario wife? Dawson. You guys. Oh, so we made it. We figured oh, it out. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. All right. Yeah. I was like, why? Why do you guys know who Corey Booker's wife is? It's <laughs> yes. really esoteric. Like, she's but she's a famous, famous yeah. actress. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Got and she's it. very much an activist. It would be like a great <laughs> yes. first lady. It'd be perfect. I'd be fine right. with right? any of those. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Someone besides sure. every single human that we have in Congress. Let's get rid of all of them and then start over. 
Anyway, that's the political hour on True Crime Mitch for some fucking reason. I don't know why that even. Political corner over. The thing is, Vanessa, I work in this office by myself. This is my only chance to have a conversation with other people. And that's good. That's how that keeps you like fresh, right? For the oh, real fresh. Don't let him talk to anybody else all day. I haven't seen another human in three days. I'm like, hey, I know you're here to talk about your podcast, but here's three things I have on my mind lately. Let's talk about that. I was literally, before we started this interview, I was going to like almost jokingly pitch to you, Bob, that we need to do like a pre-chat like you do for the uh, like the follow-ups or whatever for Truth and Justice because we end up just talking about so much random shit while our guests just kind of like sit there and nod their heads. <laughs> and luckily, Vanessa, you're very involved, so that's not an issue. But <laughs> right. We did do one of those. I'm going to check this out. I need to, yeah. Yeah. One of our recent episodes, like you and I had like a 10-minute conversation uh, while the guest was just like, Aren't so you guys bad, like but... super into true crime or it's just, you just doing that like as the title just because like you know people like true crime and they'll... It's a true crime like... show. It's supposed to be. Erica's into true crime. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> well, it's good you're hosting the show together. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm in like this weird place where I like host two true crime podcasts and uh, I don't listen to any true crime. I listen to comedy podcasts. Um, I like that. I have a very hard time listening to true crime podcasts too. I have to be. I, have to, I mean, I like it. As a writer like of these podcasts, uh-huh. I find like, you, like somebody has to have a gun. Like somebody needs to be right. dead. Right. It is right. so hard to write these cliffhangers. Like right. I have this. So I my new show that I'm on here to promote called Infamous. Oh wait, you have a podcast? <laughs> that everybody everybody yeah. should just know about. Just for a sec. Thirty minutes into the interview. But in any case, there's a we have a we you know it's like all these mini series, right? So they're uh-huh. like three or four or five six episode long. Uh, you know stories that are just like true crime podcasts, but they're shorter, um, rolling into each other. But they're all supposed to be about scandal. So we did one that's about, like, Tori Burch and her husband, right? And they have a big fight, and they break up, but he still, like, owns a part of her company, and he decides to knock her off, and it's all, like, you know, snap, snap, snap. He's knocked her off. She has, like, an ident—he has an identical boutique to hers— Oh, my God, what's going to happen? And we rewrote this thing like 150 times. And I was like, oh, I know what the problem is. There's no dead body here. Right. We're just talking about a boutique. That's why it's so boring. Right. You know? How do you make it not boring? (laughs) Not boring is death. My problem with true crime <laughs> podcasts is I don't like listening to things and realizing how much better at it they are than I am. And this is my oh. this is my job. I'm just like, oh, well, that's really – that's better than – I don't want to hear somebody do a better job at it than me. Um, <laughs> maintain your ego in ignorance. Yeah. 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 I sit here. I don't <laughs> talk to anybody. To I don't I, – I, li- I don't do social media. I don't talk to anybody. I live out in the middle of the country by myself. My whole family has gone all day long. And uh, then I just convinced myself that I'm the greatest podcaster that ever lived. Uh, <laughs> some real uh, Ted Kaczynski vibes it's, there, Bob. Yeah. It's, 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 like, it's like you need, like, you need a documentary about yourself. It would be a very short documentary. You know what? I, you're right, Vanessa. You're goddamn right I need a documentary. But I mean, but it's a cringe documentary. It's like, look at this guy. He's just all alone, pacing around. Okay, back Listen. <laughs> That's there's nothing to my life. They, I had we just had a, a a Hulu show came out last week or two weeks ago, oh. and one of the oh. episode was uh, was about me in a case. He that says I did. we. It's just him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, just me. <laughs> uh, but they they came out here to you know they shot for three days and they're like, what do you do? I'm like this. I just sit here. I'm like, what do you do when you're not here? I'm like, I, don't know, I, I hike and camp but, and hunt sometimes. I that's. All I, and That's so they why had I a, love like, people who are podcasters, though. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. Well, they had, like, wedged that in, and it was so cringy. Like, people love the show. But they were, like, because, like, my one of my hobbies is is I'm, I'm a hunter, is they're, like, well, we should talk. We should make a metaphor about you, you know, investigating cold cases and you being a hunter. And I was – I kept arguing with it with the <laughs> – with the producer when she was, I'm like, that's stupid. I don't want to do that at all. And then I'm like, why don't you get your backpack out and start going through stuff on the table? Well, they, that's just, they just want some B-roll. They don't yes. want, like, you sitting there in your red shirt just, yeah. like, <laughs> looking at them. You know? They want, like – but here's my question. Okay, I really want to ask this. I feel like you guys might have some thoughts on this. Like, why is it important to solve these cold cases that are 40 or 50 years old? Like, it's for these individual families to have justice. But don't we have, like, way bigger societal issues that we need to, like, fix now? And, like, do these people – like, maybe it's better for the families to be like, you know what? I'm fine not thinking about this right now. <laughs> like, I actually feel okay right. about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, because we come across people when we go to interview people. People are like, no, dude. I don't want to talk about this, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want a podcaster trying to solve my kid's double mur- – like my double murder of my kid mm-hmm. and his friend from like 1980, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, see, my, like from, from my perspective, because on my other show the is um, Truth and Justice and and, it, and we investigate wrongful conviction, potential wrongful okay, conviction Okay, that cases. is important. That um, is definitely important. And and even like the cold cases, you'd be super- – like I would assume other creators wouldn't take a case – like just one they're interested in. Like Because like I know like me, I get 100 emails a week from people begging me to look into their case. And right. so I certainly wouldn't go be like, I'm going to go this one where no one wants me involved yeah, and do yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, right. But That's I think, true. I think the – and I don't know because I don't do cold cases. I do – I mean they're they're cold but they're wrongful conviction cases. Um, I think it's just because there's like access because like nope, the police don't care. You know what I mean? Like, like, right. Like as a creator or a journalist – it's very, and I'm sure you've probably experienced this. Maybe you haven't. I don't know what you do when, you, but but you know, if there's like an active investigation yeah. going on, the police are like, "Fuck off! We're of not course. giving you. We're yeah, not going to yeah, tell you yeah. anything." You know, so there's no story there. So I think that's right. You know, so I think some people just have a genuine curiosity and want to talk about it, and mm-hmm. then and make podcasts and stuff about it, and then others are just like, "Well, this is this is accessible, and there's an audience for it, so I'm going to." I'm going to do it. And it's very hard to create right. anything current. Right. No, so that's you- true. I think there's also something like to be said about you, you kind of learn something from, you know, old case, older or more historical cases that you, you know, in investigating those cases, you might learn something that's going to help, you know, solve a different case or solve a more, you know, modern case. Um, and, you know, I, there's so many people out there, right, at least right now in this true crime space that's doing, you know, podcasting and looking into these cases that um, I think, you know, uh, some people, like, there's just so many people and there's so many cases. So if some people want to do older cases, we've got enough people doing some of these modern ones, too, or at least I think we will <laughs> in the, in the I near guess, future. I just feel like why, why, like, why isn't there the same energy around, like, talking about why our healthcare system is so fucked up and, like, all our parents are dying penniless right, right. and, like, all the horrible things that are happening in terms of, like, people dying, like, right now, right. you know, around oh, yeah. us. Like, I feel like that is also, like, 
you know, there's business, there's business like corruption, basically, yeah. that doesn't mm-hmm. play well in podcasting that is really like interesting to look into, investigative, very serious and and important to people learning about like what's going wrong with our government. And it's so hard to get people to listen to that stuff. Well, you know, I, I think I think at least for, for me, from like my perspective. Because like I'm super, I see I'm like wedging conversations into a true crime podcast about some 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 like issues. Right, right, right. Um, it, it's it. I think it's it's because of like what I mentioned earlier. At least like for me, everything is so polarized, and there's so much tribalism that it's so hard. I actually did have I had a, a podcast with a friend of mine named Zach Weaver. It, it was called Bob and Weave, and we did it for like a year. And it was like we're both like super very very independent um, politically. And was like let's start, let's promote like open conversation and and about you know and it was like it just like you said nobody nobody wanted to listen to it because everybody you know the overwhelming majority of the of the public is like I'm either on team A or team B and my team's great and your team sucks and your team will everything your team does is wrong and everything my team does is right and nobody really I feel like people have lost the ability to listen anymore so for me like but I don't then have they the, just want to listen to like. Dead women from 1979 in ditches and like let's find who did it. Like yeah. that's like the thing that brings the country together. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird because yeah, they will listen to that and they won't listen to the other because they don't want nobody, nobody. For me, like it's it's just exhausting. I mean, I've been doing I'm in my 12th season of Truth and Justice and like in like the 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 contrarian crowd grows over and over every season. There's more and more people that. Like, and I'm to the point, like, I was like, I was just thinking the other day, like, after this season, like, I don't want to take a break. Like, maybe I just want to talk about a cold. I literally was thinking, maybe I just want to do, like, a cold case, like a like a, like a a missing person just for one right. season, just for a breather. Because it's, I'm tired of the bullshit that yeah. I get, that I get back. And it would just have to be so exhausting. Because the fact is, nobody wants to hear that they're wrong. Like, like I, it's so hard to find people that are like, hmm, I actually want to hear your perspective. And. Maybe I am wrong about this th- this thing. Like like those, right. it's so hard to find people to do that. So I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. I tried once. And yeah, it just stopped. <laughs> it was like, everybody, yeah, everybody's just so like everybody takes everything so personally. It's like right. if you don't agree with mm-hmm. my opinions, that is a personal attack on me, and I just don't understand. See, this that is just like I don't. Thing. This is when I feel really like I don't belong in this world because like I grew <laughs> right. up in New York City, as we all know. I yeah. grew up in New York City. Yeah, still there. But, like that's fact. sort of. <laughs> Never That's left. sort of the way people are, right? Like yeah. the whole thing is about arguing and like you say your opinion, I'll say my opinion, we'll get it all out there and then, you know, we'll come to uh, some sort of compromise and move along. Like that sort of like, you know, it's almost like a very Israeli way of being, right? Like outwardly aggressive, but this idea that, you know, well, let's let's that's how you break bread. It's like mm-hmm. you're honest, you know, mm-hmm. and just everybody just yelling at each other just feels to me like it's a way for it's a protective measure that people use to like keep themselves like uh, from getting too close to anybody. Right. Because you don't really have to engage with people if you're that tribal. And then you just like yeah. stay at home and feel lonely and go on social media and like buy random stuff that you don't need that like, you know, whatever. Can't like go in a landfill. Believe me, I'm not like some big environmentalist, and- but I'm just like saying that it's like, you know, like you got to I mean, I'm like in the middle of like cleaning out my mom's apartment and I'm just like, I can't believe Mm-hmm. How much random stuff is in every closet here? And, like, 
what is this? Like, you can't just, like, have, like, you just get old and then your kids are just like, well, here's all this stuff. I just throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that? Oh, and That's then there's crazy. that. And I swear we're going to talk about the podcast here in just a second. Uh, <laughs> But there's, I'm I went, having a good time. We don't have to talk about the podcast. I mean, I, what, I, it's I, called I, infamous. I don't, I don't tell my don't tell my partners I said that. They'll yeah, be like, podcast what? called infamous. We'll yeah. talk about it. But <laughs> blah, like, blah, blah. because yeah, there's yeah. this the other piece that I've been through with family members where like I was so mad at my uncle. Uh, well, it was my aunt actually. So my uncle passed away years ago. That I was very close to, and my aunt for like 20 years like kept all of his stuff and his memorabilia, and yeah. then. I was out in Colorado visiting her, and she's just like, I'm just ready to let this go, and I think I want you to have it all. And so she gives me these boxes of <laughs> you stuff. You were like, no, no. And, I, and at first I was like, oh, that's a, that was like, that's that's amazing. And it was a whole thing because like I was a fireman, and he was a fireman. And okay. it was like, you know, so like um, – and then I go through it, and there's like some of that stuff in there. But then there's like like all the birthday cards he wrote to her, and there's all this stuff in here and like weird trinkets and stuff. And I was – I was, uh, I called her, I'm like, you bitch. Like, like, I know exactly what you were doing. You couldn't bring yourself to throw it away. So you gave it to me. Yeah. So that now I have to be the asshole that that is going to decide whether or not to throw it away. It was hard. Like I had like this hard, like really bad emotional moment. Like with my wife, where I was like putting stuff in like a trash can. He, she had his shoes in there. That he was wearing when he died. And there's like specks of like blood on his shoe. Oh and she's just God. like – And his wallet that he that he had in his pocket. Like the stuff the hospital gave him when they left. Right. And I was, I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? I feel like an asshole for throwing it away. But why so now – So what did you do? Yeah. I threw yeah. it away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to throw it away. But I did. But it was yeah. – it, it was. It was like this whole like very emotional thing. I was like – and like and my wife, you know, bless her, was, was like, listen – I think she gave it to you so you could throw it away because she couldn't. And I'm like, well, that's right. great, but I don't want to throw it away either. But see, like, through millennia, people had these things called family heirlooms, right? Yeah. Like, so it was like this china, these like four forks, and like you would like wrap them all up, and that was like that's what we give. Now the other stuff gets thrown away, and you just don't have that much of the other stuff, right? Because you're right. like basically like you know a monkey or something. And like now we've created the situation where like people don't even like really know what what is a family heirloom anymore. Like nobody's yeah. really taking care of them. Well, everything's like disposable like, I guess now, this too. cup was from my yeah. grandma. I'm not sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I've also now, heard, though, like, the millennials are, like, at least when it comes to, like, the fine china, like you said earlier, like, that we're literally just, like, why? Like, what's the point of having, like, fancy plates yeah. that you only eat on once a year? And then you, right. they just, you just look at them the rest of the year. So I, I think, think about a lot of it, too, is just, like, we're becoming more utilitarian. <laughs> Yeah, well, and everything's on Amazon and it's cheap and it's disposable. Yeah, I was just at uh-huh. my parents the other day, and I and I happened. It's funny you said China because they have this big. Remember China cabinets? Mm-hmm. Like they have this big China yeah. cabinet Display. full of all this stuff that came yep. from like their parents and my grandparents. And I just and I just walked by and looked at them like oh, son of a bitch. One day I'm gonna be the guy that's like I don't want all this bullshit. Like I don't want yep. this. What do I do? I throw it away? What do I do with it? Right. Yeah. Uh, give it to don't my brothers. Me. Oof. Yeah. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. So you started Campside Media, co-founder. <laughs> we're back to my uh, my bio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so want to remind are, you. We're basically is... all um, magazine journalists. I mean, 
I, I'm loath to use the word former. We do write from magazines from time uh-huh. to time, but you may have noticed there aren't magazines anymore. Yeah. Um, I was like, where and do you find so, these, these magazines? Yeah, where do you find like, such things? <laughs> so there's one guy who's sort of like the guy who writes for outside and like he's really into like missing people in the mountains and like weird like con stories. And then there's like a more serious guy who does a lot of social justice. And like if you heard Suspect, did you guys hear Suspect? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we um, had, that's our um, podcast from my um, partner, Matt Share, uh, Chameleon Hollywood Con Queen, which I did mm-hmm. with the, the Outside Magazine guy, con, uh, Josh Dean, which um, was a case – um, okay, all these women in Hollywood, these very, very high-ranked female executives, like the one who was in the Sony hack where you found out all these gross, like, personal things about her, they were all being impersonated by somebody. And, like, this guy was, like, calling all these people who worked in Hollywood and inviting them to Indonesia to work on a movie. And they would fly there. And then they would get there and he would just, like, screw with them through different like taxi drivers mm-hmm. or people would drive them around and they just like take little bits of money from them and then there was like no movie but he was doing this over the phone like impersonating over the phone pretending uh. to be these women and it was a case nobody had solved and Josh and I solved that case thank you very much see it was a cold <laughs> case and case. you guys solved it it was a cold case it was actually <laughs> not at all a cold case because the not so secret part of it is like we had gotten tipped off that that they that we're gonna solve this case uh-huh. so we were like oh dope we're gonna make a podcast about it and we'll right. make the podcast because we specialize in these like serial you know mm-hmm. eight to twelve episode podcasts we were like awesome We'll start making the podcast. We'll be like five or six episodes in. They'll solve the case. Then we'll put the ending on and then we'll release the podcast. And everybody was like, yes, this is a great plan. Awesome. Start working on it. Start working on it. Months go by. We're working like every day, working really hard. Oh, my God. There's this little thing called COVID. What's happening? People seem to have Uh, to stay home. Oh, no. And then it's like the guy who was going to be arrested, we knew he was in England. So suddenly it's like, well, you can't arrest somebody in England, bring them to America and put them in American jail where they're going to get COVID, right? Right. So they stopped – all the law enforcement like stopped whatever plan they had to go arrest the guy. And so Josh and I were like, whoa, no, but you need to tell us who it is. You said you would tell us. And they just like stopped returning our calls. Uh. And then Josh was just like, I'm going to figure this out. And I was like, Josh, there's no way you're going to figure this out. (laughs) And we figured it out in like two minutes. We figured it out like (laughs) literally in two minutes. Like we – there was a guy (laughs) – it's like one of the victims who was like, oh, I have a copy of the passport that the guy like sent me at one point. And we were like, oh, this is a fake name. And we gave it to a hacker. Well, we didn't know it was a fake name, but we were like, oh, it has a name. We gave it to a hacker. And like literally two minutes later, the guy was like, this is your guy. And we looked at his Instagram and we were like, oh, my God, this is definitely a crazy guy who is like an impersonator, you know, like there's no question. And anyway, so he was arrested recently. But so that was sort of like those have been our two big, like major successes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have like, you know, not, probably up to 20 other podcasts out Um uh, we have one called The Evaporated, which is Jake Edelstein, who um, is the guy who wrote the book Tokyo Vice, which um, uh, was made into a TV show recently. And uh, The Evaporated is about this trend in Japan that tens of thousands of people just evaporate themselves, disappear off the grid, wipe out everything. 
bank accounts, like don't talk to their families, social security numbers, just like move into these like weird areas of Japan. And it's just like a known thing that you can do. And the people who help you do it are called night movers. Like it's a really interesting kind of cool, cool job podcast. Um, why? Now, but quick why? creative question. I mean, why? People just want to get away. Well, no, it's I want to know why you're going to You're going to do it the... one day too. Your family's going to come home and you're going to be like, what? We thought he would just podcast all day forever. I just want to know <laughs> why you didn't name the podcast Night Movers. I know we could have. Well, the, the Evaporated is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's solid. It's a, it's a franchise. So it's like then there's going to be the Evaporated. Um, the guy who wrote Generation Kill, who's also a former Rolling Stone writer, is going to be making a podcast about like another, actually, uh, actually also a cold case. We do do a lot of cold cases. Sounds like you are really into the cold <laughs> cases, if you ask me. I personally don't like. I don't. I don't know why people are cases, listening to our but podcast. We do a lot of cold cases. I mean, I'm doing so. I more do you know? I do these scandal stories. So my podcast, Infamous, is like. It's basically a lot of my sort of back catalog. So mm-hmm. I, you know, when Nexium, I mean, you guys know Nexium, right? Like they yeah. got into a lot of trouble, right. and right before they got into all this trouble, they were like, "We should have an article." And so uh, the word went out, like Nexium's interested in having an article, and I was like, "All right, well, that sounds good to me. Like that sounds really interesting." Um, mm-hmm. I would like to hear what the cult has to say for themselves. Um, what What is going on with this branding? Like, what's happening? Yeah. So they're like, cool, you can come to Albany and interview Keith and everybody else. And I was like, great. And then like two days before I was supposed to go, they were like, oh, actually, you need to go to Guadalajara, Mexico, because that's where Keith is. Oh and I was like, oh, okay. So I flew to Guadalajara. And that's Keith Guadalajara. Rainier, the, the Nexium. Keith Rainier. Like that's what I said, Ranieri. Now, I may so have got that I wrong, that... but let's not forget Gregoriadas. <laughs> Gregoriadas, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> so that that was like, a, you know, a sort of story of them, like the last days of that cult and how they were trying to manage uh-huh. this situation um, and all the horrible things that they did. Um, and then, you know, Infamous sort of starts with um, my experience going on tour with Girls Gone Wild and Joe Francis, who was the leader of Girls Gone Wild. Do you guys know about him? Do you oh, know I anything know about him? Oh, you only know. from <laughs> oh, know Erica's research. So I did, <laughs> yeah, I did my research, but it was uh, – I definitely don't feel like I was, like, following this as it was happening or anything like that. Like, I, I don't I feel like a very surface-level knowledge of this. Well, you, well you're well, you a little young for the like, – Yeah, the Bob, info, you must have girls, some Girls Gone Wild knowledge, I think. The infomercials. In the noggin. Like, yeah, you I, know, I remember the infomercials. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't watch TV yeah. without oh, yeah. the – you know, right. for ten ninety nine. Girls gone wild. And everyone's like, "God damn it, here we go again." Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and there was like, like, like there was like comedy shows with like spoof it because like the, the commercials were like, "Check out Girls Gone Wild." Wee, real girls going <laughs> wee. And then they were like, <laughs> "There's a Larry David." There's like a Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry is oh like gosh, trying to order so them with like a fake voice. Like I would like to get the video of the girls, the girls yeah, going yeah. wild. And so that, though, when you started, and again, uh, I feel like we're doing a terrible job with this. The podcast is called Infamous. <laughs> and in the first series, because you just launched in November of last year, in twenty November twenty twenty two, right? Correct. Yeah. And the, the first series was on Joe Francis of Girls Gone Wild. Now you just said, I think I heard you just say that you were on tour with them. 
Uh, I mean, I went, <laughs> I was not one of the wild girls. I you was going a wee! writer for Rolling Stone. <laughs> I was a writer for Rolling Stone, and I was, you know, at the time, young, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. in my 20s, and um, they had asked me to do, like, a story on groupies and Slipknot groupies. And I was like, no. What? Yeah. Yeah, no. Awful. Slipknot? And um, I was talking with the editor. And I was like, well, what else do you have? You know, which is sort of the way you get these assignments. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, like, well, what could be interesting? And and he was like, well, who's behind this whole Girls Gone Wild thing? Like, I don't even understand. Like, what is this? Who is this guy? Who's this evil genius that gets them to take their tops off? And I was like, I don't know. I'll make a phone call. And uh, figured out it was this, you know, other guy in his 20s, uh, Joe Francis. And he was like, come to Florida. So I flew down to Panama City Beach, hung out with him. Uh, He was arrested while I was there Mm -hmm. because Joe Francis, one thing we know about him is he gets arrested a lot. Yeah, Yeah, like a long (laughs) list. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I got to see like the whole, you know, scam, which was basically like, girls, be liberated. Take your tops off. And if you're really cute, maybe you should flirt with me. And if I really like you, maybe you want to come back with me to my hotel room. This is I'm like being Joe, right? Uh Like come back to my hotel room and like wouldn't it be great if you just like kissed your friend and we videotaped it and then like maybe you and I can have sex. And it was just like these are like – I will not say they're underage, although there is, you know, a very famous legal case where they are. But like, you know, let's call them 18, Mm 19-year-olds like who are drunk – and who are not, like, as sophisticated as Joe, right, who's already graduated from USC yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But, like, you know, every teenage girl knows, like, you know, sometimes, like, random shit happens. And, like, you're with these guys. I was, a, like, so I worked at, like, a Hallmark card store when I was, like, 15. Well, I don't think I should say how young I was. I worked at a Hallmark card store when I was overage. And, like, Colin Quinn came in and, like, took all me and my friends out. Like, to a nightclub, into, like, his house. Like, that is crazy. Like, I look yeah. back yeah. on that now, and I'm like, what was that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but all teenage girls know, like, there's some wild and weird night can happen with older guys where you suddenly find yourself in a situation where you're like, wow, this is really weird, but maybe sort of fun, and, like, maybe I should roll with it, but my friend wants to go home, but I'd like to roll with it, and, like, you know, just weird things do happen like that. And um, the difference here was, of course, that, like, there was a camera. You know, it was mm-hmm. commercial. Like, it was basically Joe's argument legally was, like, this is a documentary. Like, I make a documentary on women's breasts, and they show their breasts. So I'm protected, you know, free speech. And everybody else was like, but it seems like you're making, like, you're making them do this. And it, it's yeah. very much about consent, right? Like, where does the consent end? Like, is it when the girl is, like, puking in the street? You know? Right. Like, what's... Yeah. And, like, do they know what's in the release form that you're right. having them sign? Yeah, when they're shit-faced like, drunk and just sign something. Be- right. And, like, somebody like you, you have a daughter, right? You were yeah. saying you have a daughter. Yep. Like... Joe was in part brought down by like the dads of America, right? Who were like, "Oh no, you're not doing that to my kid," you know. I was just gonna say, yeah, like if I like if if my daughter were to end up on one of those, there would be there would be some hell to pay from me, and 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 I'm a cold case investigator. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I will find you. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. But, you know, know but make it Joe, for Joe, there's actually, like, uh, open cases. Like, he's in Mexico with open warrants in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's what he's like, where it got left off. So he's still, as far as we know, he's still in Mexico. He is, as far as we know, still in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, he, he, he served, married, like, mm-hmm. almost a year in jail for one of the charges and yeah, he's, he's got warrants he, and he's hiding. He's got in like this crazy assault in um, LA, like physical assault um, charge. That, uh, but he also, you know, he married. They did a tour, a Girls Gone Wild tour, not the one I was on, and yeah. um, it was for the hottest girl in America. Um, and when they found the hottest girl, he married that girl, and so she's a mother to his children. And um, he, she claims, physically assaulted her. She claims he physically assaulted her, and um, she is now living in Oklahoma with the kids, right? So he's like, he wants the kids back, but he can't really come into the U.S. Like, um, if he's driving, like, he would be arrested, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a it's like sort of a sad and scary story that I tried to do in a way that had some levity because it is also quite – like ridiculous, you know, because mm-hmm. it's girls gone wild. Um, right. And I have to be honest, like when I was, you know, down there, like observing what was happening, it's not like I thought, you know, everybody's being raped right and left. Like I saw like, you know, a lot of women who wanted to do this and girls who wanted to do it. And then it was just more like there were some who didn't, who were then pressured, you know. Right. And I, and I think some of that has to, and you get, I don't want to speak for your experience, but I think some of that has to be, Going back to where we started this whole conversation, which was back in like the late 90s and early 2000s, what we thought consent right. meant and what was what was OK. You know, for – you know, if you're seeing somebody like, yeah, they agreed to do it and they do it. What's wrong with that? And not really understanding the power dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. difference and the fact that they're intoxicated and they're not capable, you know, capable of consenting when you're in that – you know, there's a lot yeah. of things that I think a lot of people weren't really thinking about. Back then, it was just, you know, so right. thankfully And I think that the thing changed. about Girls Gone Wild that people don't, like, they think, like, oh, it was just people flashing, and then maybe mm. the girls who were hooking up were, like, you know, paid performers or I don't know what they were. Like, they were the same girls. Do you know what I mean? Well, they do, though, of course, there were, like, professionals in there, too, and more uh-huh. and more as time went on. They put professionals in there, but, like, the girls who were flashing then turned into those other girls, mm-hmm. you know, and not, like, processed by what, because they wanted to get them in the hotel room, right? So it was private. They could control it. They could get really good video. But, like, that's where it's just, like, come on. This like, it's me... one thing to take advantage of people, like, on the street, uh. and maybe, like, oh, go over there and kiss your girlfriend or something. It's another thing to be, like, let me get you on this makeshift porn set. Can you just sit right there? The light's really good. But it's just a documentary, guys, you know? Just, it literally is, like, making me ill to my stomach to think of, like, my daughter on yeah. spring break and some guy, you know, finding her drunk and then convincing her to do something that That's she'll crazy. regret having done yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I will find you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't have any particular set of skills. But. Yeah. <laughs> you got those cold case skills, remember? Yeah, right, yeah. I have cold case skills and I'm a very large, scary man. Um, and uh, with that, with that, we're, we're running long because we talked about nonsense a lot of the time. But I want to remind everybody that her name is Vanessa Grigoriadis. Yay. Right? Yep. And yes. – the podcast is called Infamous. It came out in November. 
they've already had a series on, as we're just talking about, Joe Francis and The Girls Gone Wild. Are you still currently covering the Nexium? Uh, the Nexium one, yes, it's still up, and uh, yeah, it is still going that that part of the series. Can you give us a hint of what the next series on the on the show is going to be? Or do you uh, the know? next one is about uh, Judith Miller, who's the reporter at the New York Times, who misreported the Iraq War and led us into a war that you could Ooh. argue just ended when Afghanistan. Um, well, you know, we pulled out. Um, so, yeah. It's about like sort of the 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 mistakes that were made, like at the highest levels of journalism that led us into that war. Awesome. So again, her name is Vanessa Gregoriatis. The podcast is called Infamous. I'm going to say it three more times. Infamous. Infamous. Because we didn't talk about it the whole time. It's called Infamous. It's not, it's not Infamous America. It's just called Infamous. There's infamous. another one. Yeah, don't, it's just, don't listen to that other one. Infamous. If you see Infamous and it's hosted by Vanessa with a last name that looks a little scary for you to try and pronounce, that's the one. Check it out. It could be your next big true crime binge. Vanessa, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much. This was definitely the most fun I had today. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Kelly Barron's Brink. Our production manager and co-host is Erica Cantor. Music and show artwork was created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com and episode artwork is created by John Hayes. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is truecrimebinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. Make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge. 